Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. Um, last week we had a, a, a really good uh, podcast, I think, with uh, Nick O'Malley. Uh, I hope you'll go back and, and check it out. Um, it was really worthwhile, important conversation. Uh, one of the best I think we've had uh, on the show. Uh, but Alex, uh, a lot happening this week. What are we going to go to first? Yeah, and we got we got a lot of cool guests lined up soon. But like you said, big news week. I think the big thing everyone's talking about this week is is obviously this massive infrastructure bill that Biden's pushing through. And rather than get into kind of the meat of it, I think we both agree there's there's a lot on the kind of tactical side and what it means for elections coming up. So uh, just kick it right to you. Do you agree with how Biden's doing everything right now? Uh, yeah, look, uh, I think this is enormous. I mean, the bill uh, and the push to get it through with complete Republican uh, resistance is just, I think, going to drive the Republican Party uh, to lose more and more support. Uh, look, the country needs infrastructure. There's bipartisan support out in the in the real world, not in, not the Republican elected officials in Washington, D.C., but you can already see this happen. I mean, a lot of the stuff that that they're doing is just continuing to show how beholden uh, Republicans in Washington are to a, a really extreme base uh, that doesn't believe in science or governance. Um, and I just think that's a, a big problem um, given the you know, you know how popular the COVID relief bill that Biden uh, and Democrats pushed through without any Republicans and now how popular and important infrastructure is. I mean, it's the medical research in the, of the past uh, in our infrastructure that led to the mRNA vaccines. I mean, these are things that started 10, 15 years ago at least. And it's that kind of infrastructure. It's not just, not just the roads and the bridges, but really... Um, the research and innovation that got us, that, that prepared us uh, as well as we have been with these vaccines, that all starts with this kind of infrastructure uh, spending. I think the electorate gets that, uh, but the Republicans don't. You can already see what's start, starting to happen. It, the party is hemorrhaging supporters. There, there's a, the new Gallup poll that came out a few days ago has 49% of the country now either identifies as, Demo as being a Democrat or are independents who identify with leaning Democrat. That's, you know, as members of the Democratic Party, that's 49 points. The Republicans are at 40 with only 25% identifying as Republicans. That other 15, 15 points yeah. is, is independents who who lean towards towards them. It's a much different thing. There's many more who identify as Democratic um, voters than the 25% who identify as Republicans. That's their lowest, uh, I think, since 1991 or something. That, and that was the lowest they've ever been was 22% uh, percent who strongly identified that way. So we've got it right now, uh, the Democratic uh, identifiers are growing and the Republican identifiers are shrinking to levels that we haven't seen in, in you know, decades uh, or more. And I think it's all that's just going to be exacerbated as they continue this, you know, the Dr. No party uh, that votes against 
the kind of things that we need, you know, in terms of investing in the future. And again, not just investing in in the infrastructure. I mean, the hard core infrastructure of roads and bridges and those kinds of things, but also the infrastructure of innovation and science and research that's going to allow us to compete with China and the rest of the world, which I love the way Biden is putting this, uh, is structuring this as, you know, democracy versus authoritarian autocracy uh, and which one is going to be able to compete and how important it is for these investments for us to 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 be able to win that competition, which is about jobs and standard of living of the American people. Well, I think you said it you said it best, I think, when we were talking about this the other day, that they're kind of throwing sand in the gears. I think it's important yeah. if you look at that forty percent kind of Republican and Republican leaning, it's not like that 15% is moving toward the Republican Party, right? Those are people starting to move away, especially because of everything over the last year. And if if Biden continues that kind of to put it with the stakes, like you mentioned, I think it, it it's a really compelling point. I yeah. Mean, and it, I think, uh, no, but I think that's right. They're, they're already moving away. Uh, they were moving away on because of the lack of, I, I think the lack of support among uh, Republicans in Washington for um, the the COVID re- uh, relief package, um, and now they are looking at they they look. We know oh, these are it's no look when you got over sixty percent of the American people wanting supporting the COVID relief package, over sixty percent um, across party lines uh, supporting infrastructure. Um, uh, it's no wonder that you know more people are identifying with the party that's. Pr- uh, uh, promoting and fighting for those things, Democrats of so 49, uh, versus moving away from a party that continues to oppose the science or, or even the idea of government having uh, some role in solving these problems, which clearly the reason COVID, you know, the reason the vaccines are being distributed, all those things, including Trump's use of uh, warp speed, and uh, and the mRNA vaccines and you know all that is because of what the government was capable of doing uh, in conjunction with the private sector in many cases, but you know district really kind of pushed at the at the uh, government level. And Biden is showing that government can work. So when you think about this, you know this is how I don't think people have. I think Biden is putting this in the right perspective. The fact is. If China decides to corner all the iron ore mines in the world, uh, its government does not have to care about whether somebody stands in Tiananmen Square or not. It can go do that. It doesn't have any questions. Nobody's going to like take them on, not internally. And what are you doing with our money? But now if, if Donald Trump or Joe Biden tried to buy up iron ore mines. Oh, man. Yeah, it'd be like if Trump tried to do it, oh, my God, it must be he must be on the take uh, taking the you know, he's getting a share. Uh, If we did it, how come you're creating jobs uh, in iron mines in Africa or wherever uh, instead of here? And the reality is, if you don't have iron ore, you can't make steel. So what, 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 what this is about is, yeah, is being able to can democracy and it's the process of that give and take and debate can it can it operate efficiently and and quickly 
in a world where there are are authoritarian governments out there that can make these decisions on a whim. Uh, and, and so that that's part of it. And again, so who's creating the, the, the throwing sand in our gears so that we can't compete and, and make the kind of decisions as a country that we need to make and get the support that, that people need to be able to compete and, and have those, those, those jobs. Uh, it's the Republican Party right now. It's got more interest in throwing sand in the gears and that and, and in a weird way, aiding China in this in this competition. And then on, then I guess to the next thing I think is, look, if we all raised your hands as high as you can, that's the U.S. standard of living. If you now take that same hand, put it down as low as you can, hang it by your knee, that's the rest of the world's standard of living. I mean, for the most part, I know it's uneven. It's, that's not fair in comparison. But the gap is there. But yeah. the gap, that gap is there. Uh, 5% of the world's population, we use 24% of the world's resources. So look, if the rest of the world in the in this you know as the world is is globalized uh, whether we like it or not it, it, as the global forces uh, continue to push forward whether you like it or not there's only three or four ways this can all you know the the that you can look into the future one is the rest of the world's standard of living comes up to us well that can't happen not not with current technologies or anything because there aren't enough resources in the world right. to support that. Um, yeah, I guess the other failing uh, thing that could happen is our standard of living collapses to where the rest of the world is. I don't think that's uh, uh, going to happen either. There's really only a couple of possibilities that are rational. Uh, one is that we our standard of living slowly declines a little, uh, gradually downward toward as the rest of the world's uh, standard of living comes up. I actually think that's kind of what's been going on for the last decade or so, right? So that's why people are upset because they know that their standard of living living declining, particularly with working people, and we're not competing on an ideas level, which is the fourth one: innovate, do electric cars. I mean, do the things that we need need to do. Develop the technologies to develop the new medical future. Uh, that can cure these diseases, uh, make it so everybody in the world wants to buy uh, an, a car made in America because it's the most efficient, can get you the furthest on electrical charge, the batteries, all that stuff, and create those jobs so that we can compete so that we're doing it here. And our, yeah, that's increasing our standard of living. At the same time, it's providing needed stuff to the rest of the world as its standard of living comes up. That's how we developed our middle class after the industrial revolution. I mean, all this stuff is, we need to get back to that. I think that's what Joe Biden's talking about. And I think I really think it's great the way he's presenting this as not just uh, an infrastructure package domestically, but one that, that has many things in this infrastructure bill that he's proposing that will help us compete in that, particularly with the Chinese, uh, in a way that gives our workers and the people of the United States a better chance. I think that is going to appeal to some of those Republicans that are that are already starting to leave their party. They're hemorrhaging right now, and I think he's just causing it. Well, you know, we, we've been saying this for 
Jeez, uh, since as long as I've known you, the Republican Party has essentially been the party of obstruction, right? Yeah, Where they've kind of just thrown stuff up there. This, to me, feels like the first time that this kind of obstruction could actually backfire because we finally have the juice to kind of show them the consequences. Well, that one, again, I think uh, they have been since, you know, Reagan, essentially a party that says, you know, less government, no government is better than any government. What the Biden administration has done in I think 67 days is shown what effective governor, government can do. Um, that they're, yeah, no, hey guys, they got it wrong. You needed effective government. You didn't have it during the entire COVID pri- crisis, not with not with Trump and, and their inability to get to deliver. Uh, they deserve credit for the warp speed stuff, but they didn't, you know, no plan on, on actually um, ramping up and getting it out there. Not the way, uh, at least that the Biden administration has done and executed. I mean, you know, they could have had a, the Biden people could have come in and it could have all gone wrong. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the right refrigerators weren't there. Uh, the, you know, right. the, the, a million, and we already, we did have millions uh, doses go bad, but it could have been a lot where, you know, the, I'm talking about, it could have been complete failure. That didn't happen. They're executing. Right. And I've said this from the get-go uh, since they came in. If, when we have the Senate and the House and the presidency like we do, we've got a couple of years here where if we can consistently prove that government can if be effective and have an impact on your life, um, and, and right now they're doing that. If we continue to do that, I think that's our way to continue to grow. And the more Republicans oppose that, mostly because they don't want Democrats to succeed. Not be, I'm talking about the ones in Washington now. The more they oppose it, the worse it's going to be for them. Well, and the funny part is they're investing in all these companies that are growing, right? It's They're opposing it publicly, voting no on it. And then you've got the burrs of the world putting money in all these companies that are growing like crazy. So it, it goes both ways. So yeah, Joe, this touches on a lot of the things that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, but I think we'll have a lot more on it in the next couple of weeks, especially with, a, I think, a special guest next week. Yeah, yeah. We'll be interviewing uh, Steve Kirsch for, I think, our Tuesday show. We're going to have a little special uh, uh, show with the interview. And he's uh, really uh, been at the forefront of some COVID treatments that I think just have not gotten the the kind of uh, exposure they deserve. And I wanted him to talk about that quest, how tough it's been, and some things about, you know, how how's uh, how are we going to innovate in the future? And also, hey, he's involved in California politics or has his fingers on the pulse out there. Get a get a look in from him on the on the recall. So, Joe, speaking of uh, some of the obstructionists we've been dealing with, uh, obviously, Matt Gates has had a pretty bad week. One of the questions we get a lot of um, from our inbox, which you can always email that trippy show at gmail.com. What do we do to beat a guy like this? And do Republicans even care? What is going on with him? Well, you know, you can tell that the Republicans care because of how many of them are being silent. The only two I think that have come out to defend him. Well, Trump sort of did by saying he he did not ask personally. You know, he, he did not ask Trump directly and in person for a pardon, which left the question, it was pretty clear that was written carefully on purpose. But my point is, take take him aside, there's only two, Jim Jordan and, and Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Greene, who uh, have come out supporting him. 
Uh, and this gets to the whole thing about them hemorrhaging again. Uh, it, it, this is why it's important to call out the 147, the Matt Gateses uh, 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 out there, uh, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, because I think that's part of why they're shrinking down to only 25 percent of the country identifies as a Republican, so can say I'm a member of the Republican Party. It's not just the obstruction, which is bad enough. It's not just being against the COVID relief bill. It's not just being against uh, anything that, 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 that uh, uh, you know, whether it's background checks uh, on expanding background checks on, on uh, for gun shows, uh, which is like a 90 percenter for, for the American people. It's not just opposing all that and being the obstructionist party. I do think the Matt Gaetzes, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, uh, the Jim Jordans, uh, there's a whole group, uh, and particularly in those 147 uh, members of the House and the Senate that voted to overturn the election after the insurrection of January, so hours after it. Uh, there, there are people in there um, I mean, that was crazy. But to the extent that, you know, the, the Matt Gates sort of like the, uh, people are calling it, you know, freaky behavior, uh, is a, I guess, the, the best way of putting it or the best description I've heard. But there are several of them. And I think the more and they are out of step, clearly out of step with where the country is not only on policy, but on just just pure ethics and and. and just, you know, civil behavior. I mean, across the board, they're just out of it. And I think those people are, the more they get their airtime, uh, the more they play their games uh, or get caught, uh, and the more we all call them out and not let them get away with it, which is why whether, you know, Matt Gates could get, you know, whether he too is one of those people who could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and his district would still reelect him, whether that's true or not, and I don't think it is. But even if it's if it is, we need to make the effort to make sure that what they're doing, what they're trying to get away with, what he's done, is exposed and gets a, as much exposure out there as possible. Because you can see the power of what this party has become and how it's starting to really. Uh, bleed support. I, I mean, I can't remember. I mean, I know it was 22, but I don't remember when that was, when it was only 22% of the country could. Yeah, no, and it's gotten yeah, worse. That's, I mean, 25% of this country can identify as Republican. That's that's just unbelievable that it's, that it's fallen that that quickly. But I also think it's, look, part of it's because Trump doesn't have the big megaphone attention. He's not, you know, I mean, the way the press hung on every tweet, and, you know, basically, I think helped make us live with that for the, you know, right. for the three years. Um, that's that's it really diminished now. Um, and now the real ugly stuff like Matt Gates and the accusations against him and the very few voices supporting him, even the, the sort of milquetoast way Trump did, means that that that's getting uh, that's dominating not the distractive noise that Trump was making. Um, and that's really hurting the party right now. 
Well, the Gates thing almost feels like a, a special case where it just keeps getting so much worse and so much worse. I mean, the facts are nuts. I mean, it started with that, the allegations that he had a relationship with some, with a girl who was underage. And now since then, kind of some anonymous house colleagues are really alleging, I think you called it freaky, just gross behavior from him. And then he went on Tucker Carlson and said he, like the DOJ was extorting him. And I think right after the interview, like he lost Tucker. I have never seen Tucker yeah. Carlson. And well, after an interview, be like, yeah, that was weird, guys. That's literally, yeah. I think, close to what he said. Yeah, but I mean, he's the guy's walking around showing nude pictures yeah. on the floor of the house. I mean, look, he's he's it's like freakish behavior. But that that's you know the the whole thing here is that it's not just him. It's it's Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's what I'm saying. This is about all of us making sure that we take it to the 147 Senate and members of Congress and hold them up. But particularly when these are the kind of examples that they keep presenting right. to those, to those Republicans and independents out there who clearly are removing away from the Republican party and starting to identify as Democrat, uh, as members of the democratic party. That's I think the, uh, the key here. And I think it's happening and we just have to keep our, yep. keep on it. Well, I think there will be more on Gates in the next couple of days. If you haven't given a follow to Operation 147, you should. It's at 147Operation on Twitter or Operation147.com. Um, I think there will be more on Gates in the next, but maybe by the time this episode comes out on, on Friday morning. Joe, by the way, uh, a friend of yours, uh, Bern Gavin, uh, emailed us and, and sent a good note talking about a book he's reading on, on Christian nationalism by Catherine Stewart of the New York Times. It's called The Power Worshippers. And he pretty much immediately, uh, you got me to book her. So she's coming on in a couple of weeks. I think that'll be good. But uh, he also mentioned a, a story about uh, Tommy Lasorda that I, I think is is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, you know, Tommy Lasorda, uh, manager of the Dodgers, uh, passed away a few uh, I think about a month ago now, uh, and and, and Byrne knew uh, about uh, me and uh, Tommy Lasorda uh, being friends, and so he was, you know, passing on condolences. But uh, it did bring up Lasorda and I were uh, uh, commencement speakers at Laverne University in California, uh, both of us in the you know same commencement exercises, uh, which is where we first met, and. Uh, he ran up to me, gave me this massive hug and, and just said, you know, Joe, uh, you and I, we're paisans. I, I like how you talk about politics and how civil you are. We're paisans, we're paisans, but I want you to know, Joe, we're on different teams, which was meant he was a Republican, I was a Democrat. And it was just, man, I've never had somebody make me laugh so much as Tommy Lasorda, uh, in our conversations. Uh, we did occasionally DM on, uh, on Twitter, but, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it was nice of burn to, to remember that relationship, but, uh, it brought a smile to my face, uh, uh, because I, I, the guy just could just, it just had, uh, uh, amazing stories and I'm a great baseball fan. So meeting him and, and then yeah, being, that had to be great for you staying yeah. connected in some way with him. Um, uh, given my, you know, my, my crazy baseball fandom, I grew up in Los Angeles uh, was a Dodgers uh, uh, and Angels fan my, uh, until I got on the East Coast, where I've now adopted the Orioles. But, uh, the, you know, growing up with uh, 
with the Dodgers and uh, uh, and then uh, ha- connecting to Lasorda was pretty cool. Joe, let's let's get to our listener question this week. We had a couple good emails this week. Uh, this is actually from from Nathan, who asked us, uh, "Who's the favorite to be the face of the Republican moderate in the 2024 cycle, the primaries?" He says he likes Nikki Haley and Chris Christie. The latter would really bring the fire that Trump has displayed in the last four years. What, what do you think? Look, uh, well, first of all, I don't I don't know yet who that might be, but I don't think it would be a fool's errand, and here's why. I mean, I think. There's a real chance they can have 10 or 15 uh, candidates out there trying to be Trump. I mean, the the Hollies, the Cruises, Matt Gates, right. whoever, uh, right? Uh, and, you know, you got to remember how Trump got there. Trump didn't get there by getting 50% in Iowa and 50% in New Hampshire. You know, he... He, he lost Iowa. Yeah, he lost Iowa. When did, he got like fifteen percent in Iowa, I think. Is that right? I think he got twenty four. I think it was pretty close, but but Cruz still won pretty handily. I mean, it's like twenty seven. That's right. He yeah. got twenty four percent. You're right. You're right. So so Trump got twenty four percent, and the establishment candidates, whatever you want to call them, uh, got you know you know got seventy six percent. Point up the rest, and then he just kept eating away. Right. He got thirty five percent in New Hampshire, thirty two percent in South Carolina. He never really got to 50 until it, the only way you got to 50 was everybody else was dead. Yeah. They were out of money. They, they, they ran out of steam. So, you know, could that happen the opposite way? And I think it could where you get um, a whole bunch of Trump uh, candidates uh, and none of the moderates run because they, they all know it's not possible to win in this kind in that kind of a situation. It'll be a Trump versus a, a, a you know a, a status quo or whatever you, you know establishment Republican going to get his rear end handed to him or her. Uh, on the other hand, those Trump voters Trump's um, candidates could all split the vote, and you only need twenty four to win Iowa, um, you know twenty six to win New Hampshire. Now you're starting to grow as they're dying. And you're being victorious and strong, and that's always going to get you more support. I actually think, and that you know, reminds me of 1992, when in the Democratic Party, no one thought, and this isn't a primary, but no one thought that in 1992, George Herbert Walker Bush uh, could possibly right. be beat. So none of the big shot Democrats went. You know, Mario Cuomo didn't go. Dick Gephardt didn't go. The the you know whether the John Kerry's no no one uh, went in ninety two uh, except for a little known governor from Arkansas guy named Bill Clinton yeah. who was running against people like he was running against people like Paul Songas uh, I mean just not your uh, the big heavy competitive crowd everybody thought the Democratic nomination was worthless Clinton won it and then went on to win the presidency so I do think that even though we're now talking about a primary situation, I've seen enough of these places where um, you get a weak field or a lot of strong people from one wing of the party and somebody who just has the courage, knowing full well they probably don't have a shot, but if they can consolidate the moderates, peel off some of the Trump supporters, uh, and then as some of the Trump candidates drop off, pick some of those up, just like Trump did, he overcame the establishment and became it, became the establishment of a new party in all in the, you know, on the path of all those primaries on the way to the nomination. 
I think someone um, can do that. Now, whether it's a, a Kasich or a Haley or a Christie, I don't think it'll be Haley. And I think the reason is you can't be a both right. sides person in that fight that I'm talking about. You can't be on the, you know, one week you're so you're like the biggest Trumpy out there. And the next week you're, 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 you're moving away and trying to, to be a serious, you know, thoughtful candidate on policy. I think that's going to be, you know, and taking them on, uh, taking the, you know, some of the crazy notions on. I don't think you can be both of those. I think um, you, it, someone who can talk sense, who is has a fierce independent streak, who appeals to all these Republicans who are leaving the party, who can't even bring themselves to identify as Republicans right now, but get them out um, and get 24% in some of these early states and then grow, that's possible, I think. Uh, and it may be the way uh, Trumpism gets upended. Uh, now, on the other hand, uh, if Trump goes, uh, uh, assuming he's capable of running and decides to do it, that may wipe out all these people. And I don't know whether, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, so somebody with the courage to take him on one-on-one, -on -one, he, Trump, may keep those people who can't afford, that were Republicans but can't bring themselves to identify as Republican may just make them despondent, not come out for the, the, the other the other person and and could be the end of the party. It may be the end of the party anyway, but I'm just saying that that it's a it's it's a really good question. I just don't know who that person is. It has to be somebody with a lot of courage and uh, in terms of I mean political courage in terms of just understanding how to do this, being committed to doing it, and being disciplined enough to stay on that message, just screaming at while you. everybody yeah. around you is clamoring to, to is, is 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 screaming Trumpisms. Cool. Well, Joe, I think that's just about all the time we have this week. Um, Already? Oh man. Well, that went fast. Uh, hey, everybody. You know, thanks for listening to that trippy show. As usual, if you have a race you want us to spotlight or a question, please submit it on iTunes in the review section. Give us a rating while you're there. Or email us at thattrippyshow at gmail.com. On Tuesday, we'll be doing a special interview show with Steve Kirsch. Um, and in the coming weeks, we're going to have some other, uh, I think, interesting uh, guests on interviewing. But as usual, we'll be here next Friday as well. So Tuesday and Friday next week, look for us and spread the word. Tell your friends.